Welcome back to the Levelheads, everybody. I am your co-host, Mike Connolly from Greenside Design Build. I'm Zane Ellis from Collective Build Company. I'm Jamie Verdure from Verdure Construction. And on today's episode, we have Al Hamed from Hamed Homes. Al is based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. We dive into some interesting topics in this uh, podcast. We talk about his history in the company, which is 45 years old. He's a second-generation builder. His father started the company. He started at the company 25 years before that. That's not true. He started in the company 25 years after that. <laughs> he's been he's been at the helm for the last 10 years. We talk about you know the you're crossroads. Right. He's you're so good at this. <laughs> I suck at it. I'm going to start over. All right. And this week we have Al Hamid from Hamid Homes. He is a second generation builder out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. His company was started 45 years ago by his father. And Al took over the helm 10 years ago. He's implemented a lot of different processes into the business to help it grow. Uh, we talk about how he used to be in the cell phone wireless store business. Which he sold out of and came back into the industry. Uh, we talk about how he implements clean job sites. It's an interesting discussion. And we also get into a little bit of uh, bull riding. That's his fantasy job. He wanted to be a bull rider. So, interesting conversation. Let's get into it. Once again, we're happy to be sponsored by Anderson Windows. Anderson, A N D E R S E N, Windows and Doors. Uh, we use Anderson on uh, most of our projects here. I would say all of my projects right now are uh, Anderson Windows. Uh, we've got a 400 series going right now. We've actually got a 100 series going right now on a spec. And we've got an E-series going right now. Uh, and they just arrived and they're fantastic. Uh, I know Mike and Jamie are all Anderson users as well. Uh, fantastic product, amazing service, uh, couldn't could not be happier with uh, with their product in our homes. So check them out, Anderson Windows, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, Anderson Windows. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Level Heads. Today we are excited because we have Al Hamid from Hamid Homes out of Indiana. Al, introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Mike, appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. Um, yeah, I'm a second gen custom home builder. Uh, again, Hammett Homes. You got it. You got it right the first time, but you know, then we started talking other things. But we were we were close. Um, <laughs> uh, second gen. So we're based out of Fort Wayne, which is uh, not too far from you, Mike. Probably two and a half to three hours. We are uh, second largest city in the state. If you want to call it that? Probably three hours north of Indianapolis, three hours south of Chicago. Um, I've uh, been in the industry, man. Essentially, since I was knee-high to a duck my entire life, I was just that little kid uh, on a job site, five, six years old with a push broom, acting like I was doing something positive and probably getting in a bunch of people's way. But, you know, it's kind of kind of how I grew up in it. And uh, I've been in it or around it really ever since. This is uh, year 45 for us as an organization by the grace of wow. God. Wow. And this is year... Uh, let's see, I carry the one. This is year 25 for me, uh, 10 of which at the helm as president. And when I started, um, dad would always make sure that I understood the nomenclature, understood uh, the players, the crews, trade partners, things of that nature. So all through really latter part of middle school, certainly in high school, I would work with a different subcontractor so I could learn the trade. Uh, matter of fact, my framer now is who I learned to frame homes with my concrete guy now his dad with the concrete crew for our crew uh so forth and so on i i got out of the field um when i graduated high school and got into undergrad and then i'm also the real estate broker for the organization as well so i took uh, my broker's license and and kind of learned the sales side of the business i did that till about grad school and then when i went through grad programs uh, that was really kind of, you know, the market had shifted 
Uh, there was just a litany of things that, that were different. And then dad was really kind of one foot in and uh, one foot out. And at that point in time, um, you know, we put some things into place to be able to make the transition. And I started learning about all the fun stuff of the business, taxes, you know, things of that nature that's, uh, that you <laughs> got to be able to do to keep the business afloat. Right? I was told you got to pay those. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you pay those. Uh, on, yeah, that's... Right? Uh, of course. Just right, recorded. Right on a recording line. Uh, on a recording line, we actually pay those. We overpay those. Right. Of course, we're really excited to pay those right of now. Of course, you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me interrupt you. It's nice to welcome Jamie Verdura to the podcast. <laughs> Hi. What's up, Jamie? How you doing, brother? Okay. How you guys doing? Sorry, my bad. Uh, you didn't miss anything, man. Read, My computer just didn't work I read for that. 17 minutes. Did you? It's so, not that late. Nah. I read that text wrong from earlier in the week. <laughs> Hi, Jamie. <laughs> Hi, Mike. But I got, look, I got a new new microphone set up. So you do? ready to rock and roll. Like like our true professional. That's a true professional right there. Yeah. All right, what I So, miss? Al, you talked about second generation. I want to dive into that a little bit. I'm a second gen builder myself. So there's a soft spot in my heart for guys like ourselves. So when you were a youngster, did you always know that you were going to come into this or was it kind of up in the air? You want to do something else or your dad kind of steered you? How did that work out? All the above. Just depends (laughs) on the day (laughs) who we were dealing with. Uh, You know, when it was easy and the weather's cooperating, you can get material. Absolutely what I want to do with my life. Basically every other day, no, not not really. Um, no, I I knew that. Uh, Sounds like my week, and I say that because I know every single one of you guys understands and feels yeah. that. I, I yeah. get it. Um, you know, Dad was. Uh, um, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort. I liked creating things, um, and then the business model that I learned with Senior was. We were very spec driven at the time. Um, so primarily I would say probably 90 to 95% of our business was speculative homes and between 20 and 25 a year. And then one thing, you know, as I got into the industry, I kind of learned during the last economic downturn, 08, 09, 2010, somewhere around there that the guys, at least locally and regionally that were truly custom, um, either didn't make it through economic downturn or just the game had just changed so much that it was just different. They didn't want to do it. And dad was kind of in the latter part. So um, I knew that I wanted to own uh, some sort of business as I progressed. And I understood that, Hey, there's more to the construction than just being the grunt and sweeping up a job site. You know, you actually get to understand and, and make some decisions that create things. That's where it really started calling me a little bit. And then, um, you know, my dad built this this business up from the ground up. I mean, he just he bootstrapped his way up, learning everything that he that he did, and that I, I always respected that. So for me, that was something that I kind of wanted to carry the torch to be able to say, hey, you know, if dad did this, this this is what I want to be able to do. And then I started getting into it more. The market had shifted. Um, Pinterest came around, uh, Instagram and. You know, here we are today, you know, doing crazy things like putting waterfalls in houses and whatever the case may be. So um, I did have an idea that this is pretty much what I wanted to do. Uh, my wife will tell you that every other day I may change my mind. Again, just depending, <laughs> depending on how that day goes. But we're, we're blessed and I'm, I'm grateful to be able to carry the, the name on, brother. Yeah, 45 years is impressive. Yeah, it is. Tell you. And yeah. I mean to echo that, I almost yeah, quit man. all this shit Appreciate today. It. So <laughs> <laughs> you two, <huh? laughs> you guys do the podcast with Al tonight. I'll catch you. I probably won't catch. You. I was actually driving towards that cliff when you guys text me. <laughs> what well, I, I thought for sure when Mike texted last night, I was like, okay, we're all getting out of the game. We don't have to worry about this stuff. We can have a call about something else. Yeah. <laughs> And then I tried to log on and spent the first 22 minutes of my life trying to figure out how to work a computer. And I still haven't done that successfully. So this is being recorded. Yeah, I got people for that. 100%, Jamie. 100%. 
You got it. So I was like, so I guess I got to keep building houses. <laughs> well, I'm like Ice Cube. Today had to be a good day for me. Today was a good day. It's always a good day for you. Every, every day you're alive out there, man. Yeah, every day in Chicago. It, right? I didn't have to use my AK, yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, I'm, I'm a, um, I mean, I say I'm a second gen. I'm actually a fourth generation. I did not really know previous to. Um, they yeah. both passed away before I was too old to really get to know them. But, uh, I, man, we had a, I didn't know this about you. We had a very, very similar path to where, you know, mm. my summer job was either for my dad or for whoever was working on one of his houses on the days that they were there. So it was a good way to figure out, well, I don't want to be a plumber and I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be this guy and I don't want to do that. And then you get all the grunt work yeah. and all the shit work. Um, and somehow I still ended up here. <laughs> so, well, you're used to doing all the hard stuff. Yeah, you know when you when you get a team exactly. that helps you, then it. Yep. Man, it's still hard, dude. I'm 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 bullshitting you. It's, it's, uh, it's I don't want to sit there and lie on a recorded line. When you get a team, everything is miraculous. No, that, that's not so, it. Either. Still doesn't. No, work. I'm curious. What <laughs> were your other considerations? Like, did you think like a beach? Somewhere, <laughs> pro, pro surfer. surfer. Yeah. Right. One time, I wanted to be a professional bull rider. Thought that that was cool. Uh, one time, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should have kept going with that. I was, I was. I actually bit that one. <laughs> I am actually only slightly kidding. If I'm going to be completely transparent, my wife will tell me that uh, I'm the opposite of smart for doing that. But I was told by someone I'm too tall. I'm like, dude, I'm six foot. I'm not like seven foot eight. Like, what do you mean too tall? Yeah, man, but you got to be like five three for to be a bull rider. You got to be five be three to be a bull rider. Totally made that up, but nah, I made that up. Every bull rider that person in the is now is like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, dude. I already know how that's gonna go. Don't use that part as the sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys look so much bigger I'm not going to believe anything that comes out of your mouth. Uh, no, man. Um, well, kind of to what you were saying, though, Zane, a little bit like uh, learning the trade. And, 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 you know, again, candidly speaking, I learn every day. You yeah. know, we have to. Everything yeah. comes up and something new. And, and what we do now is truly custom, similar to what you guys do. Um, we we don't build any spec homes. Everything is is done to the needs and wants of our clients. So, um, you know that has has shifted exponentially. But man, throughout that the the trials and the tribulations, I always remember like in my mind, like All right, when I get up there, when I do this, when I get to the yeah. point where I'm going to do this, I'm going to change this, I'm going to do this. We're gonna we're gonna have this. We're gonna do that. And my dad uh, built a very very good reputation by the grace of God. Um, but did that on great eye contact, firm handshake. If I tell you I'm going to do something, take it to the bank, regardless of situation or circumstance. And he's still that way to this day. However, no website. I mean, we didn't get a website until probably like 10, 12 years ago, somewhere around there. And you think, oh, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. However, you know, your transient clients, folks that are coming from out of market, they don't even know who you are. Because yeah. at the time, Facebook and social media wasn't really prevalent. So, you know, you've got a strong word of mouth and reputation locally and regionally, but outside of that, there was nothing. So, you know, the other piece that my dad did for me, um, which at the time, finally, again, completely transparent, really pissed me off. Um, but now I, I appreciate the value add in it is my compensation through high school and the early parts of undergrad was experience. Now, you're going to learn. And you're welcome, you know. So while my buddies, had it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even say it that nice. I'm not even going to be. I'm not going to lie to you, right? It was like, you know, get your ass out there and make this happen. Yeah, and then I feel that. Well, what took you so? Um, but yeah, uh, you know. So I did other things, Zane, to to put a little bit of money in my pocket, right? Because mm -hmm. my friends were, you know, they had a little bit of opportunity here and there, and here I am in my teens and late teens, and it was like, man, I'm. 
investing my time on job sites and I'm learning and I understand what a come along is or a hammer or something that, you know, most folks that are outside the industry that, that probably don't know, but like, you know, I want to be able to, to get into something that also is going to a make me some, a little bit of money now. And then to the, to the second point of that, like, is this something that I want to do? You know, so I share that with you to say basically my whole life. So I'm junior, I'm Al Hammer junior. And Everyone was like, it's kind of an expectation, all right? Like, Junior's going to take over the business. He's going to, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. Um, you know, and twofold. One, I thought that that's what I was going to do, but I didn't really know. Like, I wasn't really convicted. Like, you know, you got to wake up with, with what we do. Sure. is isn't certainly isn't rocket science, but it certainly isn't the easiest thing either. We're juggling pieces all, all, all the time, yeah. every day. And, you know, you've got to have intentionality and systems and all of that. And you guys get it. But um, I got into the wireless arena actually and never sold a cell phone before in my life and sold myself in an interview uh, to an indirect dealer with sprint uh, as a district manager believe it or not and i was just confident in my ability a to sell and b to communicate understood the value of relationships and that led me to a vice president position within that organization within a year and a half Um, and there wasn't any vertical growth after that Um, so i quit and I researched, I thought for the longest time, this was probably uh, 15 years ago, plus or minus. I thought for the longest time, like, hey, you know, this is, this is something I could do. This is what I want to do. So I researched um, how, to, how to do that. And I did that for like the better part of a year. And I would go research, still living in Indiana. I spent a lot of time in Texas. I spent a lot of time in Florida, just understanding different markets understanding credit matrix, you know, uh, geographic locations, things of that nature. And I actually, there was a home builder in Lubbock, Texas, which is where Texas Tech is, that very similar situation. It was a father and son duo. Uh, They had been in the new construction realm for decades and wanted to try something different and had a handful of uh, Verizon wireless stores. And were at the time upside down. I didn't know that, but they were looking to sell them. And I was looking to get into the industry based on the experience that I'd had very quickly with Sprint. Um, and essentially I looked at their numbers, reviewed their numbers. That's one thing by the grace of God, I've always been um, above average at is just being able to turn numbers around real quickly and understanding the, the methodologies associated with that. And I found out that they were basically hemorrhaging money. So I, all of their stores at the time were in mall locations, which at the time was uh, was something that I learned how to do favorably, which was piece together teams that are confident, but not like aggressive. Like, you know, sometimes you walked in a mall back in the day, and you can't walk down the hallway without someone trying to throw something at you or sell you something or do whatever. I didn't want to have that kind of team, but I wanted to have guys that weren't just clerks or order takers. Sure. So, um I found out what to look for and then how to, to kind of create a culture and grow and train them. Um, and I acquired his four stores and at the same time gave him an offer that essentially I'm not going to pay you for it, but I'm going to absolve your assets and your liabilities. And at the time I had a great relationship with a national retail manager for general growth properties. And she happened to be the leasing manager for three of those four locations. So I had proactively renegotiated the leases in anticipation of the acquisition of his stores to be able to basically say, hey, listen, this, this guy's going out of, out of business. I'm happy to come in at X amount to be able to maintain where all of these doors are gonna, gonna close in, in all four of these malls. And it, and it worked. Uh, it was a win-win for them. It was a win-win for, for the builder slash cell phone dealer. And win-win for us. And I did that for uh, probably two and a half years. Um, Two weeks in Indiana. Two weeks living in a hotel out of Texas, bell to bell. I would work the stores myself, open to close, so I could understand and inspect what I expect, be able to keep my thumb on the pulse and and figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And then two things happened. Um, My daughter, so she's 13 at the time. So that aligns with that timeline. And um, I didn't want to miss first things. I don't want to miss first steps. I don't want to miss first words. I didn't want to miss things of that nature, but I'm also not the type of dude that just, you know, all right, I'm going to build a team. You guys are trained. Good luck. Let me know how it goes. 
Um, you know, I was trained and conditioned by my dad, much like you guys, you know, we're going to go to the job that we're actually going to be there. We're going to do things. And the same thing with, with the, with the wireless world. So that's why I would go there for two weeks and then come back and go there. Uh, my wife and I actually had vision to, to move. Uh, we looked at relocating to the Woodlands, Texas, which is North suburb of Houston. Looked at some areas in Frisco, which is a suburb of Dallas. Um, and then right at the 11th hour, I actually got, uh, an opportunity to sell those stores um, and the exit strategy associated with that was was exponentially greater than what I'd ever planned or thought. So um, that made sense. And then I was and simultaneously your dreams of bull riding were gone. <laughs> and, then, and then what had happened was I grew a foot and a half overnight and now I was disqualified from being able out. to be on a bull. Fast forward to the one time I rode a bull for 0.4 seconds. Uh, it may have been in a bar, and it may have been a mechanical bull, and I may have gotten kicked out for ripping the tail off the back of the bull. <laughs> Neither but here nor there. I digress. That's another story. <laughs> right. <laughs> for another day. Um, not even know where I was going with that. Man. Sorry, I threw you off. That's good. <laughs> um. This is why I like listening to this podcast. Like, it's real like, and it's raw. Like, and it's, where it's the, the fun hell stuff, the bull riding come in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you sold from... a bunch of cell phone stores. Tell me about the bull riding. <laughs> <laughs> right. We go from, what was it, Brandy was talking about Cletus. Was that Cletus to yes. bull riding to what, 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 what are we even doing? I, I don't what, know what, what, these guys know. So uh, Al went to a... <laughs> So I got a message, I got a message from Brandy last week, and she's like, "Do you know Al Hammond?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I know Al." And she said, "Well, he just walked up to me and was like, so is Cletus really dead?'" <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, uh, Al. Went that was the second him. time meeting Brandy. <laughs> That's awesome. For all you listeners, if you don't know who Brandy Lamb is, go back into our previous episodes and you can listen to her episode on the podcast. Small world. And you can hear all about Cletus. Yeah, Cletus. Everything we just shared will, will then make sense. Yes. <laughs> so, you sold, so you sold it all and got sucked back into home building? <clears throat> sold it all, man. And then at that time, um, you know, my dad was kind of like, I don't know. This is what I want to do. Uh, land acquisition costs, at least roughly here, used to be plus or minus 10% of the total home build. You know, so you build one five, your, your land acquisition is 150 plus or minus. Um, now that has doubled or tripled, so it doesn't really scale. Um, you know, and, and the trade partners and some of the vendors that he had kind of come up with a lot of which were retiring, a lot of which either, again, didn't make it through economic downturn. I mean, at this time, you're probably in the 08, 09, 2010 oh, yeah. time frame. Um, and then those guys that were, were financially stable and capitalized, they just they had enough. You know, they didn't want to go back and relearn what it needs yeah. to be able to do to be able to, to continue to engage. Um, so at that time, you know, I had to make a decision. Um, I... I thought, okay, this is something that, uh, you know, I want to do. Let me, let me tiptoe with it. And really guys, candidly, that was the most challenging part, you know? And I, and I say that like, dude, we have challenges every single day. Like I was that the most challenging part. Right. But it was kind of, um, and I don't want to sound like you or woe to me, right. It was a great experience. I'm very thankful and appreciative of it, but, uh, the industry, so to speak, had kind of thought that all right here's here's junior taking over seniors business that he just basically gave him on a silver platter let's see what he does um and and firstly if, if, to know my dad knows that you know he, he's very fair but he's also very firm he doesn't give you anything yeah. especially his his sons and i have a younger brother yeah uh, and I, I respect and appreciate that because that's how i learned you, you know you got to earn it um but the perception was not that, you know, the other piece to that was a lot of the subcontractors, the trade partners and the vendors that were still in our lineup at the time, most of which I had worked with throughout a summer in high school or things of that nature. 
So their perception of me was, here's this kid mm. wet behind the ears. He's going to take over this business. You know, and you hear those stories like, okay, the son took over the business and didn't show up on a job site, didn't show up to the office, ran it into the ground within six months or a year. And, you know, there goes 35, 40 years or whatever it was where it didn't work. Or you hear the opposite where, you know, this kid's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a grinder. He's not afraid to roll up his sleeves and go to work. It might take him a little time, but, you know, he's going to scale that business in spades. And that's that's what I, I hung my hat on was figuring out how to do that. Um, the first three or four homes, guys, and I'm sure you guys all have, have these stories, were, were tough. Um I mean, I, uh, candidly speaking, at the time, I, I wasn't acting as a real estate agent for our, for our organization, but my very first home I, I built, I didn't have a Rolodex of clientele that uh, understood kind of who I was and where I was at and coming from. So, you know, the reputation piece for me personally, for the brand was there, but for me wasn't. So people were trying to figure out. Where is he going to take this? How is it going to go? So I had to bring a product offering to market to be able to showcase, all right, this is the product. And then reverse engineering from there, this is the, this is the systems. This is the product that he's using within the systems. These are the trade partners that he aligns with. And then after that, you know, what's the service component look like? If something goes awry, is, is somebody there? Or is he the type of builder that, you know, you sign a contract and you never hear from the guy again. Um, so I hung my hat on making sure that none of that happened and, I was the builder. Uh, at that time, the, the first house that I that we sold, my real estate agent made twenty seven hundred dollars more than I did on the profit margins of the home. Uh, and I remember that number very, very vaguely because it's something that I, I mean, quite candidly, I'll never forget. Right. Um, so I had to learn a lot of that. Uh, and my dad kind of just said, "Hey, here's the here's the lineup. You know the players. You know the systems. You you know the structure." Good luck. And, you know, he's still around by the grace of God. I mean, he was still there. So he, I could still call him and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? But the flip side of that was <clears throat> my dad is very quick to come to a job site and outline, or was, I should say, uh, my areas of opportunity for growth, we'll say, <laughs> on, <laughs> on what we could do better and how quickly we could do that. He's since stopped doing that probably six, seven. By we, you mean you. Dude. (laughs) Correct. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. There was, there was no like, Hey, we're going to do this. Hey, like this, this sucks. Why would you frame this like that? Why would you allow that and do better? Let me know on the next one. Um, I laughed because I've been there. I learned. (laughs) Right. You feel it. And it's at the time you're like, man, I'm, I'm putting in, uh, I'm putting in the reps, but man, I hope this works out because these reps suck. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. deal with that. And I was the builder on the second house. I was the builder and the real estate agent and the bill, the builder, the broker and the designer. You know, at the time I didn't have a team. I was a one man show. And believe me when I said I had no business being in the designer. I mean, I would, <laughs> I'll pick out great wall colors, what I think are great. But outside of that, it's, it's probably not. And then it's, it was very humble beginning. You know, ones and twos, maybe three homes a year because, uh, you know, you're growing your credit line. You're growing your capitalization. You're you're having to retool some of your subcontractors and your trade partners because, again, some of those, man, I remember the very first week I was in the job. I had to have what we call come to Jesus conversation where, you know, it's time for you to come to Jesus. We're, we're, we're going to have a, a, a conversation. I remember I was in the basement of a home that I was building at the time. With my electrician, who just absolutely unequivocally didn't want to listen or hear anything that I had to say, and I was very mindful of that. I wasn't going in saying, "Hey, I'm wearing a different hat now. You know, I worked for you seven years ago, but now I'm the boss, and you're going to listen to me, the boss." It wasn't any of that. It was help me, help you, help me, and what do we got to do to to work together? Not a bad guy, did good quality work, but he was the very first guy that I retooled right then and there because I just knew that there wasn't going to be an alignment based on his perspective. He was an older yeah. gentleman. He he didn't really value growth. He wasn't looking to, to do anything new. Um, you know, for the most part, we've retained. Like I shared earlier, framer that I have now, I, that's how I learned to swing hammers on. You know, when I was 15, 16 years old, my concrete crew, his son, 
well, his dad used to be the concrete guy for my dad. Our, the, the guy that I used to plumb houses with is now the lead inspector down at the city for, for plumbing. You know, so there's little things that folks stay in the industry, but that was a challenge, you know, trying to earn respect without demanding it, without saying, hey, this is who I am. This is my last name. This is what you should be giving me. It's like, all right, great, dude. Yeah, prove yeah. it. We've been in this, this decade for 10, 15, 20 years. What are you doing? You know, so that was a challenge. And then from there, you guys know, you know, growing teams. Oh, Mike, you, you are the team. I get it. You're super. Oh, my God. Not everybody can do that. Uh, uh, news, everybody on the, the news is spreading. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Speaking um, of teams, Al, tell us about your team. Yes, now sir. You're, now you're 25 uh, years uh, in, 10 to 15 years under your uh, yeah. watchful eye. Tell us how you've grown your team. Tell us how many are in your team. I mean, I think sure. that's a good question for a lot of people. Listeners want to hear that. 100%. Slowly but surely, right? You know, so, and this is going to sound very cliche, but at the end of the day, we can have a very strong purpose and why, and this is why I want to do it, and this is why I want to be a part of it. And we can have a very strong protocol and systems that understand, all right, if you take the human element out of it to the extent that we can, this is the systems that we need. At the end of the day, the personnel runs all of that, mm -hmm. you know, so the relationships reap the rewards. Uh, and I learned that in my Texas operation with, with my wireless stores and making sure that I aligned with the right people. So that was very humble beginnings. That was very challenging because um, my dad was very similar to you, Mike, pretty much a one-man show. I mean, he just ran everything. And at the time, we were very spec-driven. You know, so you're 20, 25, 30 homes a year. And in my mind, like, hey, if he's doing that by himself, and here I am with three degrees, two of them at the graduate level, should not be, you know, equal to or greater than that. Uh, the game had just changed. Uh, I, I had, uh, we'll call it controls, because I didn't feel like, you know, if I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, is somebody else going to be up at four o'clock in the morning? Or if I'm not leaving the job site until 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night, is somebody on my team going to be that vested? So it was very slow. Um, but I worked with an alignment of an interior designer. So that was the very first person I brought on. Um, and that wasn't even really on my team. They were just a trade partner um, and they worked exclusively with us. So that was something that we worked with. Did that for several years, and then I brought on my VP of operations now. She's still with us, um, and she is, you know, if I consider myself the head of the operation, she's very much the neck that kind of controls things. She's She does everything from client relations to uh, the accounting components. Uh, she'll pick up a broom and get into the job set. So she, she understands exactly That's what awesome. has to happen and what needs right. to do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's seven of us in total. So we've grown now, uh, over time. And the way we break it down is, is really in the three or four pieces. Uh, so we are a design build firm, you know, that's relatively new. We did that probably the past year and a half and that's not exclusive. So we do have, um, several projects underway right now where a design architect is, is from out of market or out of state. Um, and an interior design firm may be working, um, concert with them out of state as well but i would say 60 to 70 percent of our work is done in-house both from the architectural and interior design so we have architectural design we have interior design and then we have project implementation and management and then i handle all of the sales side of the business as well um, i also have <clears throat> excuse me director of business development um, basically her job at this point is to protect my time in terms of vetting out clients that uh, may not be the best fit for us, meaning they're, what their wants are, needs are, certainly not marginalizing it, but um, you know, if someone wants to say, hey man, can you redo my shower? I can, but it's not the highest and best usage of my time or my team's time. So she will have those conversations and go through to- And it's gonna be way too sure expensive. To, to sit down. It's gonna be way too expensive for you to do it compared to you know somebody else. Yeah, 100%. I feel that. Yeah, and, you know, there's only so many times you can get on the phone and tell somebody, hey, man, I can do your shower, but somebody else is going to do your shower for you, and it's 
it's going to be more cost effective for you or someone starts to think that you're, you know, pompous or arrogant sure. or something of that nature. And it's sure. not, it's just not cost effective. You're, at all. Well, it's a different business. You know yeah. I mean? Your business isn't built that way. And all of us are built different ways that you've got overhead and, you know, for a self performer, that would be fantastic. But for you, it's like, you know, it's just not a great fit. So I think people have a hard time understanding. Yeah, right. Yeah. For sure. So one thing, one yeah. thing I want to touch on too, and your trim carpenter is Spencer Lewis. We all know Spencer, right? He's the famous uh, insider carpentry. <laughs> uh, I've been chatting with um, Spencer here and there, and we were actually talking about because I was having trouble with my trim carpenter about um, you know specking the job, and it mm. was probably my it was mostly my fault where I wasn't conveying all the information accurately enough or concisely enough. And he showed me kind of a little spec book that he got from you guys that tells him what mm. he has to do in the house. And oh my goodness, was it amazingly organized. It was probably about 10, I don't know, 10 or 15 pages listed every single thing out, then by room, then elevations of built-ins that he had to build and profiles of trim. It was amazing. I mean, they got hats off to you guys for, for doing that. Thanks brother. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so Spencer's great. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. Um, Spencer actually, uh, I'll take a side note, has one of the very first new guy, new guys that I aligned with. Uh, we're probably going on 11 or 12 years now. Um, and he was new to the trim carpentry phase as well. I mean, he'd done some millwork and some trim carpentry before, but not, I don't believe on his own project. And prior to that, he was into some remodel stuff and like that. So I remember we joke about it all the time. Um, the first quote that he ever did for an entire house was $9,700 in labor. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, well, I got ceilings that are more than this now. What what what, what happened here? You can't, you can't say inflation all the time. I mean, what are we talking about? But, uh, um, You're paying for all those no, cameras. Uh, right, right. We uh, we kind of grew together, man. And it, it is one thing that I pride myself on, Mike, is just being coachable. You know, I don't want to ever be the smartest dude in the room. I don't want to act like I know everything. And as a matter of fact, like I'm candid and transparent and tell you I don't. That's the reason why we hire the subject matter experts in their field. I'm not going to ask the flooring guy to do your drywall install. The flooring guy needs to be the man at doing flooring. Same thing with framing, so forth and so on. And now we've, we're, we're in a position from a reputation and a brand standpoint that, you know, if you can come a, a line and a, come alongside us and align with us, you know, you, it's going to be your job to lose. I'm very, very loyal to our trade partners and our subcontractors. Keep your job sites clean. I mean, every single day, mm -hmm. make sure that you leave. We encourage our families to, to be able to walk through the job site. Most of them come at night. I want a kid stepping on a nail or, or, you know, God forbid yeah. falling through something. And I just, I don't want it to look dirty or messy because if that's what I see, what I can see, you know, what's happening behind the walls with stuff that I can't. It's your business card. Um, and Spencer understands that. Yeah. What's that? It's your business card. I mean, that's, that's the thing that the world can. sees, yep. you know? Yep. So they don't understand everything in the walls, Talk, but you're right. Yep. Let's jump down that a little bit, that talking about keeping the sites clean and, and, having your trade partner subcontractors keep it clean. Cause I, that's something that we have challenges with for certain subcontractors. You know, some guys will pick up a broom and a vacuum and you know, electricians. <laughs> well, I know all I gotta, four of us were thinking it, but it's fine. Yeah. No, my electrician, my electrician keeps the places. You could eat off the floor after my electrician. He's the best. I wish they were all like my electrician, but some of those guys out there, I mean, Ours they really look at a broom good. and they get sick. So I don't know, like, how do you, how do you implement that? Do you just keep on them? Do you, do you have actual um, subcontractor agreements that you try to enforce? I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it and no two ways are the, the best, but how do you do it? It good questions, man. And again, it's personality driven, right? Mm -hmm. So every, everybody is, is going to be focused on something different. Some of them may overlap. Whereas this guy is, man, I'm, I'm really just good at my craft. I suck at organization. I suck at cleanliness, but I'm very, very good at my craft. All right, I'll meet you where you're at. Because you suck at it, that's okay, but we're not going to stay there. 
we're going to figure out what we can do together to be able to make this not where we want to be. Um, you know, I'll take a step even before that. I remember being a kid on job sites where my dad would post, you know, on the side of a door in the garage or something, uh, something to the nature of, you know, the job sites will be clean at the end of every day. If not, I'll clean it for you. And well, that'll be deducted from your, your pay, your compensation. I can't tell you if he ever did that or not. Cause again, I wasn't in front of the books at that time. Um, but just enough of a deterrent to be able to have those conversations. We do a little bit of that from time to time. Still now things kind of, I don't want to say get out of control, but towards the end of a project, when you have trade partners and crews that are all stacking and stacking and stacking to the extent that, you know, rather than having one or two trade partners on a job site, I may have three or four or five. You know, and then it's, well, that's not mine. It's, it's his, it's yeah. his, it's his. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, it's my name on the shirt. It's my name on the sign. So the buck stops yeah. here. So it's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's mine and it's ours. And because of that, yeah. this is how this is going to work. What you do in your car is up to you. What you do in your own house is up to you. But if you want to be aligned with Hammond Homes, one of the things that we're going to do is keep our job sites clean. And that's, yeah. That's out of respect for our clients, certainly our trade partners. Um, you know, you're going to leave your tools on a job site by all means. We encourage it. We lock it. We've got cameras. We everything else. However, if the job site isn't clean, you're inviting people to come and pilfer, to come and look, to come and see. And that really comes down to establishing an expectation. Um, so the very first thing that we talk about if and when we onboard a new trade partner or vendor is job site cleanliness. You know, you, you can be awesome. You can be a hero at your craft, but we're, we're not going to have any more than one conversation if you're not cleaning up after you. I mean, my kids do that, man. Like, this is something for for you to do. And most guys respect that. They want to be professional in their in their craft. Sometimes we have some conversations where we'll come to a job site and we'll say, you know, this is, we're pushing the limit on this one. Um, and it's never, hey, get it cleaned up. You know, we, I'm going to enroll my team to let them see that, you know, so our project managers will come out and they will, they're not going to do it for you. They're going to assist you. If you're upside down, you got to go to another job. If you've got a bunch of stuff stacked in the garage and you've got something that's just dirty, Hey man, we're going to help you help me help you. We're going to get this done together. But on the next job, let's be a little bit more mindful about making sure that things just don't get stacked up to the 11th hour. We're going to do that one time. And then we're going to have some other conversations where, you know, they're going to be a little bit more firm, but man, for the most part, Take pride in your work because it shows. We want to be able to show off your scope of work, be that on Instagram, be that uh, with a potential client or a trade partner that we're walking through. And that is, I don't want to marginalize someone saying, hey, man, you built a beautiful home. I respect that. I receive it. I appreciate it. Again, that's, that's, that's great. But one of the compliments that we get quite a bit that I, I truly value is your, your job sites are, are great. Yeah. Like this is, yeah. you know, and that's not a lot from, from clients because hopefully they're not on other jobs, right? It should only be on our job, but yeah. trade partners, um, vendors that are working with different builders, they understand that that's just the expectation we have. And quite candidly, it's, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's not up for, well, you know, it's, this is the reality of the situation. This is how it's going to look. And this is where we're going to be. And I want them to see our project managers or sometimes even me cleaning that up in front of them. I want to engage them in that. Hey, this is the reason why we're doing that. We're, we're in a position where it's just not acceptable. Let's, let's grab a room together and get it tightened up. Everybody feels That's like a good question, man. Everybody feels like the project is going better when it looks presentable. I mean, yeah, it's easier to work. It's easier to work. I mean, it, does, it does go better. when it's Yeah. Better. I mean, you can run your pipes and your wires any way you want to. And as long as they're terminated, you know, well, and all that stuff, then they'll work the same. But there's something else about walking in and the wires are all straight down the walls and they're all stapled together neatly. And the wire and the, and your pecs is all run on a 90 degree. And, you know, everything is straight and neat. Everybody walks in and says, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. The other guy might know what he's doing too. But if it's clean and it's neat, just looks better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. feels like you're doing a better job. I mean, so, I mean, I can walk into a house. If I'm looking for a new sub, I want to go see what they, some work they've done. Mm-hmm. And I can walk into a house and look at how they run all their stuff 
and I'll know. I mean, it's just, yep. it's so obvious. Did they clean up after themselves? How did they, mm. how did they run all these joints? How did they pull their wire? You know, all that stuff. It's, it's very obvious. hundred percent, man. And you, you hit the nail on the head, Zane, especially as builders, right? yeah. as contractors. And, and I say this, in context, not to be arrogant or braggadocious, but I can drive down a street in any given subdivision. If I can see the inside of your garage, I can see what your job site looks like that you're allowing the public to see. That tells me about all I need to know. Yep. To your point, Zane, like you could be a phenomenal builder. You could really understand the science behind what you're doing. You just don't have a strong control at your organization and your cleanliness. Yeah. And that can get away from you. Yep. And what happens is, is somebody else, to your point, can come in and they can say, oh, this guy doesn't, doesn't really care that much about this. You know, if he's allowing the other subcontractors to do this, I can just come in and zip in and zip out. And that's when things can go awry because they're hidden. Yep. You can't see it under a pile of something. Or if there's drywall leaning up there that should have been returned three months ago, yet it's just sitting there. Why is it? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's move that. Yep. And we do that at the transition of every trade. You know, that's one thing that we do internally is, again, to inspect what you expect. You hear me say that all the time. But um, if A is leaving and B is coming on, is the garage clean? Uh, are the floors clean? Is the job site free of debris? Is the driveway free of debris? Is there return material? Has that been called and ready to be picked up? Or is someone expecting somebody else to do that? So the new trade partner, A, has an understanding of, this stuff isn't in my way. This is already out of the out of the way. We don't have to navigate that. Yep. And then secondarily, now they have an expectation that they've come to the job site and it's brand new. So the expectation is you should leave it better than or equal to what, what you came about. And it doesn't always happen that way, but that's very much the logic, man. You're right on. And that way the garage door guys don't get pissed off that they got to move, move all your shit when they hang the garage door. <laughs> Dude, you got the same garage door guy as we do, or what? That's just a, that's a what? I will tell you, I had a little proud moment yeah. today. I've got two college interns, and they know that we've got a project going into drywall. And uh, I was helping them. I was helping them do some things today. And he said, "Hey, we got drywall delivering into this week on that one, right?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "All right, we'll go over there and we're going to clean it up and sweep it out." And I was like, "Damn right!" I didn't even have to tell him. <laughs> right he's now a full-time employee also a project manager senior level leadership now that's where, that's where <laughs> he, he gone. <laughs> it was great yeah it was great 100 percent. but those are the tricks of the trade for like the builders now like make sure it looks great this is your business card you know make sure everybody's there on time make sure it looks great it's not the same as a sub but you know, our job is to make hmm. sure that <laughs> that at least we look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. I mean, it's one less conversation to have with everybody, Amen. trade partners, clients, yeah. things of that Amen. nature. And, you know, and to your point, from a business card perspective, Zane, you nailed it. If, if we get approached by a potential trade partner that says, Hey, you know, this is my scope of work. This is, this is what I do. This is what I can provide. If they don't tell me who they've previously worked with, I'm going to ask, yeah, you know, of course. Who, who, who's your, your builder lineup now? I'm on the board of directors here for our local builders association. So I got a great relationship with, with most, if not all the builders, but I, I share that with you to say, man, I'm born and raised here, but in this industry, basically my whole life. So I know which builders, do what yeah so if you share with me that you're aligned with x amount of builder and i know that this guy doesn't even put dumpsters on his job site he's just burning everything <laughs> not gonna say it's not gonna be the right fit but it, it's probably gonna be a very big conditioning for them and then i'm gonna end up being the, the mean guy or the asshole when really this is just a level of expectation that the industry is that a real have, thing in indiana at homes. is that a real thing dude it's not <laughs> It's, it is. <laughs> now nah, they bury it. <laughs> it's, it's, right, right. You guys want to pull it where you're getting I was going to say. No. Um, I thought Knoxville, Tennessee was bad. It is, <laughs> it is not legal and it is not a thing, but I, I do know of a builder or two that will try to do that under the umbrella or the guise of what we, uh, 
we're leaving it out there to recycle, mm. you know, so we don't believe in, in taking stuff to a, a dump pile or a burn pile. And again, hear my heart when I share that. By all means, I love that. However, you don't have anything to recycle because half of your stuff is blown across the subdivision in every other builder's yard and the neighbors that are near and whatnot. So what, what do we have left? You've yeah. got some <laughs> two by fours and the stuff that you couldn't burn, the rebar or whatever, you know? So it's... When I was a uh, no, dude, it's not a thing. We're when I was a teenager, my dad was friends with this guy that was a builder in the same neighborhood, and he would bury all of it just across the yard. <laughs> oh my goodness! And he'd bury it yeah. in this pile, and then he'd go over across the yard and bury this pile, and then go over across the yard. <laughs> and I remember, even as a teenager, thinking like they, can't be, like, they can't be okay, <laughs> but he's he's doing it. He's got no inspections. Nope. Maybe has a permit. Maybe has yeah. a permit. permit. Isn't worried about the ground yeah. settling out. Permit was debatable in that area of town in Knoxville, Tennessee at that point. It's, uh, it's optional. Yeah. Right. It was most likely no. No. And he's burying everything. So if you're going to put a pool in later, God knows what you're going to find. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. You might find yeah. a surprise. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of permits real quick, if you guys don't mind me asking, what's the permitting process look like for you guys? Is that like an act of Congress? It takes like a year and a half. Uh, Mr. Verdura, please answer that question. <laughs> year, a year would be fast for oh, us. dude. <laughs> wow. Fast. Yeah, you got to talk about cleanup. You got to fill out a two-page recycle report. So I got to figure out tonnage off everything. What sheetrock's coming off, lumber. Oh man! Whatever, where, what yard it's going to? Well, how many yards? Are, how many, your yard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yard? How many yards are going? And then I gotta have receipts for it all. It's a fucking, it's a Holy nightmare. Cow. I got full time drivers that clean job sites. I got full time crew cleaning my sites every day. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, mobile mobile trailers are cheaper than the you know the, the dumpster rackets out here. Yeah, about two grand for a dumpster. But I could dump a, I could dump a fifteen yarder for two fifty if I if I tow it. What? Oh, it's brutal, dude. No, you guys wonder why I still perform everything. <laughs> God, I thought we were. It's I brutal. We were bad at five hundred. I was like, sorry, I am. No, brutal. Yeah, so a year a year for a permit's getting off easy. Yeah, but, so I'd say yeah, uh, one to two, okay. eighteen months probably. Year to eighteen I, months. I have heard you construction eighteen months from you. We're six. We're six. You're eighteen months. No, no, from Jamie. We we it well, we build in like four different. Um, municipalities so the county and the city are different here mm -hmm. the county is super quick um the city is now same got they have vending machines they just put a quarter in there and you can get a building permit <laughs> got it that's great <laughs> that would it pretty much is in a couple of these <laughs> i did have one municipality i built i built three houses in last year it's on the water but it's very like, um, it's really kind of a podunk community, but it's just beautiful. It's in the mountains. And uh, the. Oh, you, you could sink all your garbage. That's there. right. That's an the inspector. <laughs> well, we just wash it down the river. You just put it in the river and it's going. Uh, you don't have to deal with it, but somebody does. <laughs> and the, the inspector was, was uh, turning 86 at the time. And he was it. And you got your permit in about eight hours. So you turned it in. And wow. as long as you had a set of plans that I don't know if he looked at or not. <laughs> um, and on my final inspection at, at, one, at the first house, I thought, all right, I got everything ready. You know, I'm used to a typical final inspection, right? And like I've tested the smoke detectors. I've measured all the steps. I've measured the handrails. Like everything is like as perfect as I can get it. The dude doesn't go up the stairs because he can't walk upstairs. <laughs> and, and he walks into the house. Before he gets in the house, he hands me my CO. And he's like, oh, and he's like, the place looks great. He hasn't even been inside yet. <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be incredible. If I can find enough <laughs> clients in this community, I'm never leaving. <laughs> oh, man, we got we got public work sign off, fire sign off, planning department sign off, water department sign well, off, all before all those inspections before the building department. Say, would come all out. that to say, that is not <laughs> typical. 
Now the city, which I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff in right now is three to four months. And that's, you know, that's pretty typical now, you know, but yeah, I got a project going and the architect is from Canada. So we were going through the design phase with a Canadian architect and there's some translation issues Mm -hmm. that we had to kind of work out and he doesn't have a stamp for the Chicago area, an architect stamp. So we had to find a local Chicago architect that agreed to work with him and stamp the plans. So we worked out all that. That was a big song and dance. We got the permit submitted anyway. And that was about two weeks ago. And he emails me yesterday morning. He's like, Hey, do you get your permits yet? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, it actually takes about 60 to 90 days around here. And he's like, what? That's ridiculous. What about you? <laughs> going yeah. out I'm like, well, I know lots of builders in, in different parts of this country, and it's actually probably the average. I got yeah. some guys that get permits in two weeks and some guys two years. He's like, I can't believe that. Yeah. So, Dude, I guess you Canada, they do it a lot me. quicker. There How about are you, Al? Some counties, uh, so Indiana's county building, there are some counties that, depending on whether it's septic or sewer connect, if it's septic, you're going to jump through some hoops because the, the septic system is contingent upon the home and you can't get a septic permit until you or a building permit until you get a septic permit. You can't get a septic permit until the home is designed and all that good stuff. Yeah, so, we I mean, have the, the same home thing. design can take. Yeah. You get it. Same yeah. stuff. Yep. If we get outside of septic and we are in a subdivision, um, I mean, case in point, we just executed an agreement closed on one today. Um, my business development manager will take the plans and specs and go pull permits. We'll have them tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my <gosh>. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that a... So, dude, if our, if, if our front door, if our front door on a house is specced as white and a homeowner paints it blue before final, they will come out and make them paint it white. That's crazy. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. This guy's going to permit the day. We can't even get a freaking away with a blue door. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy. We have, of course, you know, we use builder trainer or whatever. And, you know, we have change orders or whatever. Uh, building permit. You know, I, with you know, if I say I'm going to build a 12,000 square foot home and it's 4,000 square foot, probably going to have to have some conversations about that. If I say, hey, I'm not putting in a pool and I put in a pool, probably going to have some conversations about that. Colors, things of that nature. There are no, yeah, they don't, they don't care, care about colors. I mean, inspectors aren't looking for that. Um, you know, some things that we get into are the material types. You know, if you specify, like a HOA says, you got to have X amount of material on the front of the house and things of that nature, you, you know, you got to abide by that. Um, but, you know, a day is, is probably pretty aggressive, two to three. You know, we, we should be okay unless, you know, building departments backed up. <laughs> if Al hasn't gotten a permit in a week, he's pissed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm breaking computers. You're exactly right. Like, what, what's going on now? <laughs> Jesus. 100%. I hear these stories. Sick of the stuff. We have to jump he's like, we're different podcasts and different stuff. It's insane. I mean, think just think about that, though. What does that say about our country and different areas yeah, of the yeah. country where some people can get a permit in a week and in other areas, you can't get it for almost two years. It, how, yeah. how is there such a disconnect? You know, uh, for sure. It's government we overreach, have, man. We <laughs> go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Please God. <laughs> not on this podcast. Not, Keep it yeah, light. Not on this one. Uh, we, we, we've got somebody in our builder 20, that's two years. Um, uh, Jason's two years and he's in Seattle area. Well, he's not in Seattle, but he's, west, yeah, but he's west like on an Island off the, like off the coast. And it's two years for him. We're yeah. well, West coast, anything with ocean stuff. And we're all seismic too. So they're really up our, you know, what's with engineering. <sighs> yeah. There's some of the stuff that you guys have to do, Jamie insane dude yeah it's almost like you build on the san andreas fault or something <laughs> almost <laughs> uh, your house better not move either that coffee, that coffee. <laughs> right. we'll see it's all in theory we'll see what happens what are you yeah. building on the san andreas fault? al what you- <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on it so yeah 
So Al, you're not going to escape. We're, we typically do our this or that on uh, every it. episode. So we're going to hit you with some this or that. So we're all going to contribute here, Jamie. All right. <laughs> Thanks, <Mike. laughs> all right. Read people's thoughts or read people's memories. Mm, that's a great one. Thoughts. <laughs> so that'd be oh, you said thoughts. I thought you said false. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> also <laughs> false. Like, right. No, you <laughs> would you rather be able to cook like a personal chef or sing like a professional singer i mean brandy's made a great career out of being able to cook there are people that have made great careers out of being able to sing um I feel like if I could sing, my wife would appreciate me more. I mean, she does all the cooking anyhow. She's so not going like, to care, trust know, me. If I could serenade her, well, she, yeah, she, <laughs> you're probably right. Uh, I'm going to go with sing, man. Let's go with sing. All right, good. Let's see if I can find one here about bull riding. <laughs> about uh, fix, fix the truck or buy a new one? Ooh, I am uh, an advocate if it's, if it's broken and you can fix it, fix it. There's there's no reason to buy a new one. I, I don't what if it caught on fire? I subscribe to that. Movie. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that actually. So uh, uh, I'll call. Hey, boss, it's on fire. What do I do? <laughs> Let it burn. <laughs> I'll defer to Jamie uh, based on his experience. Let it burn. That's the answer. Yeah. Just make sure you're overinsured one. and everything will work one. out fine. Only have street smarts or only have book smarts. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna go with street smarts. Yep. Which I feel like is pretty much my my life, and I'm not really even that street smart. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, there's there's that. How about uh, Vegas or Hawaii? Hawaii, Hawaii. Yep, me too. Hawaii. Yeah. Whiskey or beer. Uh, you know, I'm not very much of a big drinker. I mean, protein shake? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Are you putting whiskey or oh, beer in that protein this shake? This coming out of me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So back to the question, right? I usually dieting, yeah. so whiskey. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good question. <laughs> so. Get up early or stay up late. Always get up early, man. I'm I'm up at four o'clock every day. That's my game time for sure. Wow. I turn into a crazy person if I'm up past like ten o'clock. It's maniacal. It's like all right. Even my kids are telling me, Dad, you gotta go to bed. Get older yourself. Hit the rack, Dad. Right, you gotta pick one. Only able to brush your teeth or only able to shower. Oh my god. Oh, dude, that's so hard. Uh, that is hard. I mean, what if my mind's going so many different places? Like, you're going to smell horribly, <laughs> but you could probably like rinse your mouth out. But if you get like a toothache, like it's curtains, good luck with that. And you don't care about how bad you smell. Uh, I feel like, you know, like. I feel like these aren't that hard. <laughs> I think that one's actually kind of hard. <laughs> This this is that's my brain though, Mike. I overanalyze everything. I'm gonna go with shower. Yeah. All right. I would agree with that's that. That's good. I can get behind that answer. That's my last one. What about uh, bungee jump or skydive? Skydive. Have a. Yeah. Would you rather have a personal chef or a personal driver? Mm, driver. I can get so much done. He already has a personal oh. chef. <laughs> I mean, Jamie said it. I was thinking it, but I'm like, I don't just record it now. No, I will not. She does all the cooking. I'm not That's taking that way. No, sir. Shout out. We love, love you, Mom. Break. We love right. you. Right. Don't listen to this. Babe, right. I'm bringing home dinner tonight. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. What do you good. want? Italian, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here's my last one. Be hated for always doing the right thing or be loved for always doing the wrong thing. Hated for always doing the right thing, non-negotiable. Yeah. All day. Yep. Yeah. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Rock and roll. Good job. Yeah. All right, Al. Yeah. 
why don't you give oh. our loving audience the uh, all your handles? Where can everyone find you? I know you've got a pretty big Instagram following, so probably a lot follow you already. Yeah. Um, it's Hambit Homes. It's uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram is Hambit, literally as it's spelled, Ham Ed Homes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so LinkedIn, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. You'd, you'd be surprised how. How much I have to spell that out? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly yeah. ham. Yeah. Exactly. How it's <laughs> right, right. This ham. Ed. We don't need to spice it up. Like it's just pretty, you know, simple. <laughs> I like that. Hmm. Cool. Al, thanks for coming right, on, man. man. This has been fun, gents. Yeah, this has been. Yeah, oh, right this on, has man. been fun. Yeah. You know, we're, nice to meet we'll, you. we'll do it again. A virtual person virtual here. Person. Likewise, yeah. boys. And hey, exert a little pressure on Dispenser. Tell him he's got to come yeah. on. I've been trying to get Spencer on this podcast. Yeah, tell him. If you... Oh, he's not. He, he's uh, he's giving you pushback or what? Telling you he's too busy? No, no, he's just busy. He's working for some slave driver of a of a builder that says he can't. Slave drivers out there <laughs> pushing him. Listen, don't let Spencer fool you, man. That dude makes up his own schedule. He does what he wants to do. <laughs> I might talk to him like once a month, and he's like, "Hey, you want to go to lunch?" I'm like, "You want to go to lunch?" Eh, you could probably figure it out. I'm kidding, man. Yeah, I'll give him a shout and let him know. This was a good time. Yeah, good time. Right on, Al. Right. Thanks, Al. Appreciate you, brother. Take it back, brother. Sorry, I was reading my text. <laughs> <laughs> ah, run it!